0: There's Crispy, and then there's Crispy-er. Try our new and improved Tyson Crispy Chicken Strips. Crispy just got Crispy-er. Hello, everybody. I'm Bill Roden, and you're listening to HBCU 468, the Roden Fellows Podcast. I'm coming to you from an undisclosed location in New York State. (laughs) and I'm on the line with my co-host, Zach Bragg from Hampton University in Virginia.
1: Hello, everybody. How y'all doing? Uh, Hampton University, homecoming's about to come up soon. I'm excited for it. We've also got Janae Adams from Clark Atlanta.
2: What's up, everybody? Homecoming is next week, so make sure y'all come to Atlanta to enjoy.
0: And uh, belay the happy birthday to uh, Janae. Thank you. And last but not least, my fellow bear, Isaiah George from Morgan State University in Baltimore.
3: Hey, I'm glad to be back on the show, especially this week with it being 151st homecoming here at Morgan State.
0: Yeah, in fact, uh, I'm thinking of going to homecoming. I went last year, and it was fun in a way, except it always rem- reminds you of how much you aged. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, we've got another great lineup for everybody. Uh, we're talking about artist Kanye West, who, and newly signed Panther's safety, Eric Reed. Uh, both men are high profile, highly paid, and controversial. Uh, they use their platforms to speak about freedom and liberation, though in totally different ways. Uh, we're going to break down exactly what they're saying and what it means to some college students. Uh, but before we dive into that, uh, I want to ask you guys something that's been on my mind uh, you know, at ESPN, we talk a lot about winners, uh, but there's arguably much uh, to be learned from losing, too. I want to ask each of you, uh, beginning with uh, you, Zach, which athlete or celebrity in your lifetime has suffered the uh, steepest fall from grace?
1: The biggest athlete that i think seen uh, suffered the steepest fall would be Lance Armstrong. He completely played the world. Uh, Liv Strong was huge. Uh, everybody had that apparel. Um, and come to find out that he used cancer, um, to play us, and then that we found out that he used steroids, it just was an awful thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that's time, so interesting. Uh, uh, Janae?
2: For me, it's probably Barry Bonds. I feel like people see him for steroids more than his amazing athleticism and everything, so. hmm
0: Isaiah, who do you think in your lifetime has suffered the, uh, deepest fall from grace?
3: Um, to me it would be a celebrity and i think it would be chris brown uh even though he was able to bounce back from his situation uh a little bit i feel like it still hindered his career and how big he could bigger he could have been as a star
0: yeah yeah i i think uh in my in my coverage probably been either tiger woods or just recently bill Cosby. i think mean, you're talking about steep balls from grace i, I don't think get any cheaper than that um listen, you know last last week uh we witnessed uh, two high uh, high profile black men express their desire for you know freedom and liberation from oppression um you know Eric Reed signed with the Panthers the Carolina Panthers but he pledged to continue to talk about discrimination against black folks and he said he's going to follow up uh on follow through on his suit against the NFL Let, let's play a clip from his uh first press conference
2: Had it not been for this opportunity, and and who knows how the grievance will be resolved, I imagine this summer you confronted the reality that you might not play football again or might not play in in a meaningful time frame. Can you explain how strongly you feel about the issue of empowerment, the one that you're standing behind, why that was worth that potential risk? Um,
4: I'll put it this way. Next year will be 2019. It'll mark 400 years since the first slaves touched the soil in this country. That's 400 years of systemic oppression. That's slavery, Jim Crow, New Jim Crow, mass incarceration, um, you name it. The Great Depression, they come out with the New Deal. Black people didn't have access to those government stimulus packages. The New Deal set up what is known as the modern day middle class. We didn't have access to those programs, the GI Bill. Social Security, home loans, none of that. So this has been happening since my people have gotten here. And so I just felt the need to say something about it. Anything
5: else? Being signed, Eric, how much more
4: does this give you the opportunity now being actually on the field to, again, get get the word out and get people to realize what you're, what you're standing behind? I think, um, as we said when we started, Colin and I, Nothing will change unless you talk about it. So we're going to continue to talk about it. We're going to continue to hold America to the standard that it says on paper, that we're all created equal, because it's not its not that way right now. Um, but we're going to keep pushing towards that.
1: Do you feel
4: comfortable?
5: Obviously, today you do. But when you made this decision to come to Carolina and come to Charlotte, did you feel like you would be supported in those endeavors?
4: Um, I knew... I know the people I have in my corner, and that's all the support I need. Um, there's always op- uh, opposition um, when you speak on the, on topics like I'm speaking on. <laughs> but I'm a black man in America. I grew up black in America. You can't tell me that what, I'm, what I've what i experienced and what I've seen is, is not true.
1: Eric, are you, I don't want to say concerned, but you played here two years ago, and I believe you and Kat both knelt, and if hey. I remember correctly, there may have been something from the stands that were said. Like I'm sure in a lot of games that you participated in, in protesting. Do you remember what was said, particularly here, especially at a at a time where there were, you know, a young black man had just been shot by police here? What that experience was like for you here?
4: I mean, I felt those emotions time and time again. Um, you can't live in your own house in America without getting killed. So, it's it's powerful, um, and like I said, I, I I'll keep speaking for my people.
0: And just a few days earlier, Kanye West, uh, you all know Kanye, uh, performed on the NBC show Saturday Night Live, apparently to promote his upcoming album and discuss his "quote unquote" political views. Uh, he wore a red "Make America Great Again" hat. And his speech or rant as some call it was met with boos and stickers from the audience. Now we know that Kanye visited the White House. There's just so much to unpack about that visit that we're gonna save it for next week's show. Uh, did any of you uh see the see the performance, uh Janae?
2: Yeah, I saw it. It was weird. Uh he was dressed like as a water bottle or something. And then uh, yeah, it was just weird, and then I saw, like, how Chris Rock posted the um, video of, like, his little rant after the performance about politics and Trump and things like that. Yeah, all everything about it was just weird to me.
1: <laughs> Honestly, um, Kanye, he, he, he's not, he's, he's falling off, man. I don't know what's going on. He just recently, about a week ago, said he was out the sunken place. And he's gonna be fine. And he's going back to Chicago, and you know he he wants to get involved with the community again. And then he goes on Saturday Night Live. He does this performance. I get it. The song with Lil Pump is catchy, and he had other artists. But it's like it's like he went right back into the sunken place, and then he just spoke for too long. I'm so glad SNL cut him off because like Kanye, what are you doing?
3: What What do you think, Isaiah? I think it's just Kanye doing. Or Kanye being Kanye, to be honest. Like, I don't even think anything's wrong with him. I seriously don't think he's crazy. I think he does this for just more publicity to make sure he's, he's still relevant at the end of the day because he's a 41-year-old rapper. So, I mean, he <laughs> yeah, I feel like he has to do these type of antics to make sure that he's still, he's still relevant, he's still in the conversation because um, really his music has taken toll over the past years.
1: Mm. I just, you know, uh, let, let me ask
0: I just, you guys about that because I I thought the same thing it seems like in this era of social media and, and, and immediacy and, and Isaiah I sort of touched on it you have to do something to keep yourself out there uh, so my question to you guys do you think that he really believes what he's saying or you know sort of like I think in this era of, of reality thing? do you think that all this is just simply about uh, just keeping yourself out there uh Creating polarization.
3: I think it's about him trying to keep himself out there because I mean, look at who he's married Um, to—Kim Kardashian, a a reality TV star who has kept herself in the limelight for how long? You know, since—and it's crazy how she's done it. And she's done a lot of it through social media and stuff like that, in her own version of trolling. So, I mean, it's it's funny to see.
1: I totally disagree. I really believe that Kanye actually believes everything he's saying. I don't think he's trolling. I think ever since his mom died, it's had a huge effect on him. Um, like you brought up, you brought up Kim K, his wife. I think Kim K, being his wife, just adds more to his confused place. Like he's literally in the sunken place with a Kardashian hold on him, and as you see. All the black men that the Kardashians have dated have come out on the losing side while they're still intact. Is there something wrong with him? Is he doesn't know what he's doing? He first went from "Oh, I'm a god, I'm Jesus." Now he's he's, he's trying to abolish the 13th Amendment and he's wearing make make American a uh, uh, great hat again. And my favorite rapper is Ti, and I truly believe what Ti said is that he he's really like he really believes everything he's doing and he just needs people to come and talk to him. Like it's really, it's bad. And I don't think it's going to get any better because Kanye has a great loyal following.
3: If you look at the timing of when Kanye has these type of outbursts, it's usually around the time he's dropping an album or promoting something like um, this past summer, he was a part of a couple of albums that he produced so I know one specifically near the end of the summer or the middle of the summer was Astro World. Um, in May, when Astro World hadn't come out yet, and I believe Push Pusha T's album was almost on the way out, uh, he started his rants and things like that. And he made the comment about um, slavery being a choice after months of no controversies with him. So I think all of this stuff is really calculated. Like nothing's really wrong with Kanye. He he's doing all of this stuff for a reason and it's 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 timed and, and and written out.
0: Janae, what do you think? I mean, do you think that he believes this or do you think that this is all basically just an act?
2: I think he actually believes it. Yeah. Okay. He just yeah, this is this isn't for show anymore, like yeah, I think he does stuff more excessively, like when he's trying to promote something. But I think that he definitely believes like everything he says. Like if you really listen to the stuff he's saying, saying like at SNL, I think he was talking about like Democrats and things like that. And it was just like the way that he was saying it, like you could tell he believes it. Yeah, he's married to Kim Kardashian, so yeah, he's being more on a social media standpoint about it, expressing his views. He's just. Lost. He's like a lost soul. Like, let me ask
0: each of you something. Um, you, you know, what's wrong if he does believe that? You do have, you know, black folks uh, uh, who are Republicans and uh, stuff so like Do e- each of you? I mean, Janae, you're at Clark. Uh, Zach, you're at Hampton. Isaiah, you're at Morgan. I'm sure. Do you, any of you know people who are Republicans or, or young people who who like the president, who support the president? Any of you?
1: Not anybody on campus. Well, actually I do know some people on campus.
2: on campus. I met some people not on campus but like they're still kinda young, like twenty three. The ones I do know that will say something like that will agree with Kanye about what he's saying or like have some type of liking towards Donald <laughs> Trump are the same ones who think that they're businessmen, if that makes sense. Like the only people mm-hmm. I know who support all that type of stuff are the people who want to be millionaires. But they don't even have. They don't even know how to go about that the right way. Like they just see how Donald Trump has millions of dollars. Kanye endorses him and stuff. Like they're those types of people. Like the people who flip exactly. twenty into two hundred. That those types of people are the only ones who support. it. Exactly.
1: I know. I know those same type of people. But I do believe. Like, when are we going to stop? When, when are we going to stop using the? Oh, he's trolling, or he's doing this for publicity or he's doing this for marketing when are we going to stop that conversation and really sit down and actually say he's really serious like kanye the president like president trump like we can't always keep saying people are trolling because they do they do something that is against the norm and when they especially like kanye when they're constantly doing it and they're coming out i really truly believe we have to stop the trolling there's nothing wrong with kanye thinking the way he does it's just the fact that Kanye has such of a cult, such a cult following, and young people, older, um, even like you know seniors, uh, some people actually truly do believe Kanye, and he's going to take people down with him, and that's the only problem. But man, it, it, it's like whatever you believe is what you believe. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I want to talk about Eric Reed, but before we get to Eric Reed, who's at the kind of opposite, Kanye is coming out with some these sneakers. Um, uh the Yeezy the easy sneakers uh, and this is for each of you uh do you think any of your peers are going to wear those sneakers the nba is thinking of banning them just because they glitter too much but you know well, do you think that um this whole stance is going to hurt his his following yes. uh uh either his and you personally his music and uh, do you think people are going to buy the the, uh, the sneakers
1: Yes, they're going go to go. The yeah. yeah, they're going to take those sneakers off the sale the first day. When we throw out first day online, in store, it, he has such a cool following, and everybody swears they're, they know fashion or, or Easy is fashion. So they're going to go get it. They're definitely going to go get it. And if mm-hmm. NBA doesn't bend I guarantee you'll see NBA players wearing them.
3: Do you guys agree?
2: Yeah.
3: I do. I really do. Um, people are going to go buy those shoes no matter what no matter what he does, it's never going to affect that because his shoes have become uh, a staple in the fashion industry now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I
2: think even aside from him, though, people just kind of separate. the per, like. For example, H&M called the little black boy a monkey, but people still buy H&M. Like People don't really stop buying or supporting something, if it's fashion or whatever, if they just think it's going to benefit them, regardless of mm-hmm. what was said.
0: Right, exactly. But let me ask you this: Eric Reed signed with the Panthers, Carolina Panthers. Right? Were, 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 were you surprised uh, that he uh, that he was signed? Uh, let, let's start with you, uh, Janae. Were you surprised that that Eric Reed was signed? And if so, why? If not, why?
2: Yeah, I'm surprised that he was signed, but I mean, I think teams realized that they actually needed him. Like he was a player that they needed to get. Mm-hmm.
3: So, what about you, Isaiah? Um, I was surprised that he was signed because um, after seeing the situation that happened with him and Kaepernick and kneeling and then after,
1: you know, not being
3: signed back to the 49ers, I just felt as if no team wanted to take the, the media circus that was going to happen if they, were, if they happened to sign Colin Kaepernick or Eric Reed. So I truly didn't think Eric Reed or Colin Kaepernick were going to get a, a chance back at the NFL again. So that's why it surprised me. Mm-hmm. What about you, Zach,
0: Well you uh, you follow this thing? Were you surprised uh, of his sign uh, 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 that he signed? Um, and do you think this may open the door for Colin Kaepernick?
1: Um, no, I wasn't surprised he signed. Um, I was surprised it actually took this long. It actually took this long because Eric Reed is a great safety, uh, regardless of what he's been doing. Colin Kaepernick, his play on the field has never like dipped or changed. Um, unlike people that can say you know stats or numbers for Colin have went down. Colin, I mean Eric Reed uh, pro- provided on the field. He's one of the leading tacklers every year for San Francisco Forty ers So somebody's gonna pick him up. It's a great safety from LSU DBU. They don't stay on. They don't stay on the sideline or out of the game for too long. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Um, let me. Uh, I know we have to move on, but do you think that this is going to make him a less uh, less of a activism? Is it going to hurt his activism because now, you know, he's playing. he's signed. He's back on the plant on the plantation. He's back on. The, you know, he's back in
1: the fold. My thing. My thing is it's going to be so it's going to be so funny and interesting to watch the interactions between him and Cam Newton all season um, with Cam Newton coming out and not, um, you know, last year, you know, having a big controversy about, you know, being all lives matter and not really um, black lives matter. Um, that's going to be interesting to see his take um, with Eric Reed, those two being in the same locker room, how that's going to go. So that's something that we should just continue to watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: It, it, it's, it's sort of interesting. In the two years that that um, have passed since uh, Kaepernick took an knee and Reed took, took an knee. have each of you seen anything on your campuses from your athletes about activism, or is this issue basically dead, you think, on your particular campuses, uh, you know, with athletes, um, you know, using their visibility to protest anything, whether it's the food in the locker room, in the lunchroom, in the cafeteria, or conditions, are, you know. Um, have any of you seen the athletes on your particular campus be – Socially or politically active or aware?
2: I haven't.
1: Yeah, it's not uh, really like the thing with the eight. A- it's not really a thing here at Hampton. The athletes just play. They may talk about it, you know, maybe in the cast or, you know, as they're walking between each other. But at the game, it's not really like a big thing where they're actively protesting.
3: I haven't seen anything specifically um, at my school, but I do remember last year. Uh, While at Howard's homecoming, when Morgan and Howard played, uh, the cheerleaders were all in the end zone, and they took a knee uh, during the national anthem. That's about the closest thing that I've seen when it comes to athletes, but I haven't seen anything specifically at Morgan, though. Mm -hmm. Uh, Clinton Yates uh, just
0: wrote a story about Kanye for the Undefeated. Uh, Clinton's a columnist for the Undefeated, and you've also seen him at a variety of ESPN platforms uh, around the Horn, outside the line. I caught up with him, and this is what he had to say
5: about Kanye and the issue raised. Here's the thing about Kanye. He is bigger than almost anybody I can name that's a black hmm. pop star that's a man at this stage hmm. in life. Right. You know what i mean? I mean, if we're really, really thinking about how far his influence spreads, be it music, be it fashion, he's married to Kim Kardashian, for God's sakes. You know what I mean? And yeah. she's huge. Like, there's no way to undersell how big of a deal Kanye is. But at the same time, if he's spouting nonsense at every given moment that he gets on a microphone, what do you do? And so that's why I tried to write this this way. It was because you've got to indicate what the actual issue is in terms of specific thinking that he is putting forward, that is problematic and not just say, Hey, this is another guy that needs to sit down. that happens to be famous because Kanye is not the same type of person that any other movie star, any other athlete, or frankly, any other musician really is, you know? And so, you know, weighing that balance is always difficult. And I've written about him before, but I've always sort of treated it with kid gloves because I always felt like after his mom died, his whole life changed. And that was obvious. Mm. But mm. where we've come to now in terms of him really reconciling with that, how far this has really gone, him taking over Saturday Night Live and really holding people hostage, as Keenan said, that's a different level from him not being able to work out his demons once his mother passed. He's now taking this to other people and invading their space and their time and that's when I felt like you know what this is not okay.
0: What well, what what inspired you to write about Kanye?
5: Well, if I'm being very honest, I didn't want to write this piece at first. It was assigned to me, you know, this is my job as you mentioned I'm a columnist and I sort of felt like giving this dude the time and space every single time he says something crazy is not really what we should be doing. But at the same time, it's gotten so far afield, and with everything else happening in the country, something needed to be said, not just in terms of the fact that, hey, you need to shut up, but, like, this has really moved to a level that is dangerous on a basic level, which is what I wrote. You know, people are really, really into Yeezy. He is a very influential person. And once I started seeing certain individuals whose, politics, forget about, but just their sort of ethos of life, I was not in agreement with agreeing with him and spreading that gospel. That's what I knew we had a problem. Yeah.
0: So you think he really believes that this this goes beyond shtick?
5: Oh, yeah. This is not shtick at this point. I mean, Yeezy is a guy whose whole life was basically created to espouse what he feels about the world. And, you know, there was a time when he was 18 or 19, but it was a very different thing than it is now 20 years later. And he's been rich for longer than he's not been. And he lives in L.A. and he's got two kids and he's availed himself of a world where basically nobody can tell him anything because he's got enough money to either, you know, pay his way through something that he wants to do or just keep people around him that simply are going to want to be a part of that. So, oh, yeah, this is well beyond shake at this point because his life has legitimately changed. Which is why I ended the piece, you know, the way I did. I won't get to it just now. We can get to that later. But this dude's life is not something that I could ever comprehend on any level, man. This dude has <laughs> right. got a whole lot of cash and nobody can tell him what to do. Right.
0: As African Americans, you, you know, clearly we're diverse. We don't think the same way. We, you know, you've got black folks who, you know, like POTUS 45. You got them, hate them. You got people. You know, we're all over the place philosophically. Uh, some may say that's part of our issue. How much? How do you walk that thin line between allowing a guy like West or, or, or a black conservative Republican to have his birth and sanction him? I mean, where where is the line there? Um, is, is your line well as long as we agree on the ultimate liberation of black folks? That how we get there is okay. I mean, how do you walk that thin line as a columnist and as an opinion leader about? Letting people have their say, acknowledging our diversity, and then say, hey, man, you're
5: hurting us. Well, this for me goes beyond editorial judgment. This to me is simply my conscience. You know, I was raised right. I had two parents who worked in international development who did their best basically to liberate black folks on the other side of the pond, as in on the continent, from a lot of the atrocities that were committed there. And as a result, that circled down to how I felt about it and how I do feel about how we as people on our side, you know, really really sort of manifest the way that we're trying to get to that liberation that you spoke of. You know, my dad wasn't a Dashiki brother, you know what I'm saying? He started the first Peace Corps program in South Africa after apartheid ended. I've seen what that looks like on the ground in more ways than just, and this is not to knock anybody, in more ways than just somebody, you know, yelling on the street corner about how we need to get free, you know, and so... Mm -hmm. You know, when it comes to the thinking of certain black folks versus others, obviously we're all allowed to think what we want. One of the biggest problems is that everybody considers us a monolith, and every single black folks person that gets on TV is speaking for all other black people. But when it gets to the level of selfishness that I yeah. think that Mr. West is at, that's when I start to have problems, because it is clearly designed and only coming through a prism of his own mind, which he fails to realize nobody else can understand. And that's why at the end of that piece, I wrote exactly what I did as a kicker. I don't ever want to be as rich as Kanye West. I just don't want to have my worldview drastically altered in such a way that I feel comfortable completely alienating myself from every single thing I grew up with and taught me what I knew only because I felt that freedom and not because I felt that necessity. If he really believes that what he thinks is how the world is going to change, you know, he's wrong. I mean, it's as simple as that. I mean, there's no way to sort of buck the realities that we live with as black folks and still try to be the people we need to be to stay alive and follow what this guy is preaching to the world. That's brilliant. Uh, but, you know, I mean, but again,
0: uh, uh, Colin Kaepernick takes his calls. And I'm wondering, is that, is that because Colin recognizes, you know, you got to sort of stay in the limelight or be connected and that's sort of a the celebrity side of protest that,
5: or why is how, how do those two coexist? I think there's a PR element to that. It kind of looks bad if a guy like Colin, who's really trying to unify, just sort of disses him and pushes him aside. I don't think that anybody ultimately really wants him to do that. They're expecting a little bit more stateliness or diplomacy, if you will, from Colin, but. That wouldn't be me. I'll tell you that, Bill. I ain't answering <laughs> that dude's phone call. I mean, you know, I'm just not. Because at a certain point, you have your own values. And at this stage of where I'm at with my life and, you know, my family and the people I love, he's not on the right side of those. You know, his right. kids ain't playing at my house. He's not right. coming to my cookout. It's as simple as that. And so for Colin, I think it's a little different because, again, he's on a different stage, obviously, than I am. I'm a writer. This is what I do for a living. Colin's got a bigger cause. And so it's sort of, you know, it. it it comes across as a bit gauche to just kind of diss him, but I'm not blaming anybody else if that's what they're choosing to do.
0: A <laughs> great Clinton Yates, a uh, columnist for The Undefeated and uh, a great brother. Hey, Clinton, thank you so much, man. This is this was a sensational. Got to have you back.
5: Bill, anytime, man. Appreciate it. Say what up to the fire, man.
0: Absolutely. You're the best. Take care now. All right. Cool. Talk to you soon. Well,
5: let's leave the conversation there. Uh, if
0: uh, listeners – have comments about Reed or Kanye, uh, tweet us at the undefeated hashtag and Fellows. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk about a few more stories that caught our attention.
3: Stay tuned. You ain't about it. We moving out. We going get it and get it. Pull up informers like Robbie's and Porsche's that engines is bigger and different. We talk about it. Cause we about it. We with the business to business. with the script or you get flipped. Don't you forget it, forget it. I ain't got time for your energy She on the wine, I'm on Hennessy We can be gone for the whole night Making one hell of a memory I'm giving hell to my enemies Walking with God, I got inner peace I do a show for like ten apiece I see little mommy saving I get. We take a trip out to Tennessee Maybe New York and we fly out to Kennedy Haters be sick to they stomach I'm hoping they vomit and can't get a remedy They gon' remember me Haters keep talking, but they gon' remember me They gon' remember me Haters keep talking, but they gon' remember me
0: Last week was bittersweet in the universe of HBCU athletics. The New York Knicks announced the signing of Phil Carr, a forward from Morgan State University. A day earlier, the Knicks cut Walker who is a forward from Morehouse College in Atlanta I'd like to ask each of you how you feel when you see an HBCU athlete reach the NBA or the NFL Isaiah why don't we start with you since you covered
3: Phil Carr at Morgan um, I think it just kind of shows that no matter where you are if you have the talent to make it that they'll they'll find you they'll see you Um you know, he went to an HBCU, went four years, and there's something different than what you usually see out of the people that make it to the NBA. Um, so many guys are now are one and done at these big schools that the guys that happen to stay four years, whether you're at an HBCU or another power five school, you're kind of forgotten about. But um, Phil, was, Phil was basically an example of um, making it just, um, be, just because his hard work and his talent was actually able to uh, – Make it. He he's, he's took a little bit of a longer road after having to go to community college in New York, then having to go to a Juco in the Northwest, and, and then transferring to Morgan State. And his talent was able to uh, get him to the NBA.
0: You, you did a story on another
3: uh, player from Morgan too, right? Who, uh, who reached the league? Yes, as well. Um, his, his former teammate actually. Taiwan Kinley who had to go through a similar route. Um, after not qualifying uh for NCAA requirements, he had to go to uh Juco and then went to Morgan, uh balled out and was a top scorer there. Um he got a couple of looks and was able to sign actually with the Wizards this uh, summer.
0: hmm Zach, as you know, you both I think you each said you knew somebody uh who went to the league. Do you think that when you go to an HBCU, one of the one of the consequences of the, that you can get to the pro league, it just may take a little while to get there. Is that?
1: Um, I I knew uh, Quentin Chavis. He starred my freshman and sophomore year at Hampton. Um, he signed with the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, he's been back and forth with them in the D League. But I think that if you have to take the HBCU route, it may it may not be you know the best route for, like, you know, viewership, or, you know, you're not going to be on TV, not going to have the big crowds, but you do what you got to do. Like Isaiah said, if you're good, you're going to get found. You know, you just showcase your talent, and when you do play, because, you know, they all play an outer conference game against, you know, maybe a big school, you, you just show up, you can show out, and scouts will find you.
2: I knew a player, um, he graduated from Alabama A&M in, 20, he, in 2016, and he went undrafted, Anthony Lanier, and... He just had to work his way and he got signed by the Redskins. And yeah, it's just, I think it's just a harder grind to get there. With anything, you have to work twice as hard. But if you go to an HBCU and you're trying to make it to the league, you just really have to try, just always showcase because sometimes you might not go drafted, but you you can still work and make the team and still end up starting because that's what he ends up doing. But before we leave,
0: Janae, uh, mentioned the word wow. that I never, ever, ever, ever used on the show. and wonder what, what you guys ever think about it. She, she mentioned the R word. Uh, I always call Washington the Washington football team because I think their nickname is racist. Uh, do you guys, I, I know you mentioned you use it, but do you think the word, the, the nickname is racist? Today, since you use it, we'll start with you, but I'd like to hear from Isaiah and Zach too. Do you think the R word is racist and I'm being too sensitive?
2: Yeah, I think it is racist. I think it's offensive. I used the, use the word because I was referring to the team. And, yeah, I think the word is offensive and that they should change the name of the team. Mm. What,
0: what do you guys think? Uh, Zach, Isaiah?
1: I think it is racist, but if we're going to have this conversation, you also got to bring up, you know, the Cleveland Indians. You got to bring up the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, it is racist to Native Americans, and that they should be changed. But I just don't know if it ever get there because of the history and how long it's been. But yes, I do agree. It's sensitive and racist. Mm-hmm.
0: Isaiah, can well, we can we stop can we
3: stop using the word? <laughs> I, well, I'll touch on your first question first. Uh, I do think it's I do think it's racist, and it's, it's sad because as a kid growing up um, in the DMV area. That was the home, you know. That's the hometown team. So I grew up rooting for the team, and you know, as a kid, not really understanding what the what the name of the team really meant and how offensive it is. Um, and once you realize that, it's like, wow, you know, it's, it's kind of a little, it's kind of powerful, especially knowing the history of uh, what Black people have had gone gone through in this country and what we've been called and things like that. So it's sad, and I think, you know, just looking at how times have changed, I think at some point the name will be changed. Uh, but I do believe it's
0: defensive. So can, 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 can the four of us agree, or the three of you agree, that we will not use the, the R word on the HBCU uh, podcast? Uh, show, show of hands, the show of voices. Janae? Aye.
5: Yes. All
0: in favor, say aye. 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 <laughs> okay, all in say, say aye. Aye. <laughs> Good. On that happy note, uh, we'll end <laughs> We'll end this podcast. Hey, I want to thank, thank uh, each one of you this, is, this has been great And for the listeners, if there's anything you'd like us to cover, if you just want to leave us a comment, tweet us at the undefeated hashtag Roden uh, You could also contact us directly. I'm on Twitter at WC Roden That's WC Roden. I'm on Twitter
1: and Instagram at Rayzak. Um, underscore, that is R-E-Y-Z-A-C-H underscore.
2: I'm on Twitter at Janae and Adams, that's J-A-N-A-E-N-A-D-A-M-S.
3: I'm also on Twitter at underscore, underscore, man of the hour.
0: Thanks for listening to HBCU 468, the Roden Fellows Podcast. Uh, the show is produced by the wonderful Aaron Matthewson and special thanks to Tariqa Foster-Brasby, and Kyrie Williams. Get all of the HBCU 468 podcast, as well as the plug, The Right Time with Bamani Jones, and Morning Roast by subscribing to The Undefeated or the Listen tab of the ESPN app. Uh, join us next week for another scintillating HBCU podcast, and don't forget to make The Undefeated your go-to site for a soulful look at sports and entertainment. Have a great week, everyone. You, too. Zach, we're talking to the audience. (laughs) Oh.
5: (laughs) My bad. (laughs) All right, guys.